Hello and welcome to the Sportingly Average podcast, episode 13, The Six Nations. I'm your host, Phil, and uh, reliably as ever, not joined by Alex Jupp, dead to us, we don't care, <laughs> but uh, joined by Reese Cadman. How are you? I'm doing very no, well. Sorry, Reese, don't care. More importantly, we have a guest. Wow. Charlie Partnell. He uh, enjoys founding tech companies as much as he does hockey clubs. Charlie Parnell, welcome to the pod. How are you? Thanks, Phil. Oh, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, thank you. You're the first. Yeah, that's the first time in the 13 episodes we've done this that anyone's responded asking how I feel. Yeah, I'm l- lulling you into a full sense of security. <laughs> an hour of beating. Yes. It's, I mean, it's weird that that should be the case seconds after you've shouted at me that you don't care how how I am. Sorry, Reese. How are you? Are you okay? Your haircut is very sharp. Thanks. Listeners, Reese has any haircut. I'll be like. Almost like there's a, an important social event this weekend that you want to impress. Every every social event needs, needs to impress. Reese going full people. Because if there's one thing that that I am after in life, it is the approval of other people. <laughs> Fundamentally, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I'm imagining it's the second episode in a row that you've invited yourself around somebody else's house as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving this. So I don't have to don't have to be in my own own living room. Yeah. Because we are actually not only is Parnell. Uh, Joining as a as a guest, he's actually hosting and and bought pizza. Yeah, he's what, what a guy. Yeah, yeah. As as guests go, that's the bar has been set. Well, this yeah. is where Phil would normally mention the fact that he has a fiance. <laughs> as a, yeah, very increasingly. Yeah, I can't mention my fiance. Charlie can mention his wife. You just oh, I have. I have got a let's wife, not let's the, not go that's on not the, the subject let, matter. Let's look. Let's not go on about the partners or the women we have who love us because <laughs> that's not that's not what we're here for. Okay. Exactly. Exactly, Reese. Form an orderly queue. Um, but yeah, so this week we are talking about the Six Nations, which has just finished. Um, congratulations, Ireland, on completing the Grand Slam. Um, to be sure. Yeah, they're pretty good. They were pretty good. They, um, can, they can sling that ball. Yeah, they're, the they're pretty dominant and in good form with the World Cup in late September, it starts. 27th of September, I believe, in, yep. in Paris. Big first game. Yes, France, New Zealand is the opening game, which should be an absolute crack. I'm really glad you remember that because I forgot instantly <laughs> as I said that. I was like, yeah. I really hope someone else comes through here. Just before we get into it, Charlie, as the only one sat around this table that was physically present at the last World Cup final, what's, what are your uh, predictions for this one? Um, I think, you know, it's quite cliche to say, isn't it? I mean, it's very difficult to, to discount New Zealand because I know they've had a, a, a rough ish by their standards 18 months yeah obviously losing a series at home to Ireland was I think a bit of a jolt to the system for them um that said I think they had a pretty decent tri-nations to to follow that up um the form teams are Ireland obviously the French Mm -hmm. at home both I thought had unbelievable six nations um not notwithstanding the the freak outlying result that the French had against England at Twickenham but (laughs) Um, I assume you were there for that. I was not, although got some good stats around that, <laughs> um, which hopefully we'll come back to. But um, I can't help but feel that the Irish might have done what Ireland do and peaked a touch early. early. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because right? um, was it which was was it the 2015 World Cup they did that really badly, or was it and Ireland? 2019 as well? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and in fact, all World Cup. Yeah. Um, I think would it was. It, what was the one? Was it 2011? No. 2015 was 
in England? Was 2015 right? was England when no Northern Hemisphere made the semi-final. And England yeah, didn't even get out of the group. England didn't get out of the group. And the Irish got to the quarters yeah. and lost to South Africa, I want to say, in a game they probably should have won from memory. But... I mean, South Africa have hardly played since the last World Cup. Yeah, it's definitely those four, right? Ireland, France, New Zealand, yeah. South Africa. They're yeah. so far ahead. I mean, England beat Australia in Australia last summer. That wasn't sort of inspired. If I was an Australian fan, yeah. But now Eddie's at the wheel. Eddie's the wheel. Yeah, and you know, and I guess the World Cup will come just as you know the the good stuff of Eddie Jones, early Eddie Jones will. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think they'll be competitive, but. I think can France play New Zealand in the final? Yeah, because they they're in the same group, so they then would meet at the final. Yeah, they can only then meet at the final yeah. if they both go out of the group. And the French, I think, how many World Cup finals have the French been in? One? No. Oh, really? So they were in the. 19- the only one I know is the Scot- the New yeah. Zealand one. So before you were arguably born, should have won. Yeah. Before uh, you were born, I think they were they were in the ninety nine final, and there was the. 11. 11 final and they were also in did they lose to Australia in 07 at Twickenham oh I don't so know I made that up. we can look that up, so we know that. Um, but yeah if you're so I, I'm going to go for France actually yeah home, throw something to France home they're so good they're very good they're so good good enough to come uh, second in the Six Nations congratulations yeah, but, lads nah but I've learned one thing from, from briefly looking at the uh, Rugby World Cup winners earlier today in a desperate last-ditch attempt to do some more research. It is that Southern Hemisphere teams will fill three of those spots. Irrelevant. It doesn't matter how good anyone else is in any given It's semi. just the Southern yeah, Hemisphere. Yeah. It, yeah. That is going to happen. Pre the last World Cup, actually, I think it's Squidge Rugby did an amazing like stats delve into um, every winner and like the makeup of their squad. And it turns out like the older your squad is almost the better the number of caps matters massively like there's there's always a big outlier the winner tends to be the most capped oldest team which almost kind of goes against what you think but yeah. um the french have been in four world cup finals actually oh crikey because they were in the 87 world cup final which they lost to new zealand after a, an unbelievable that's the first semi. one right yeah they beat australia in the semis in an unbelievable game and then they were in the 99 final i think and then 07, I think. Oh, no, not 07. That was England. Or maybe it was just. Anyway. 03 was England. 3 and 7 were England because England lost to Australia in 07. Yeah, because I, I watched the 07 World Cup final in yeah. Sicily, I think, in the Sicilian no, Hotel. England, yeah. England beat the French in the semis in 07. Right. And then lost to South Africa 12 6. Johnny Wilkinson scored the two penalties. Yeah. And Quetto, or 15 6, maybe. Yeah. And, Something 6. Yeah, and Queto had his foot in touch. <laughs> I've got a good story about that. In fact, I've got quite, I've got a number of interesting personal stories pertaining to World Cup rugby. Right? <laughs> we can. What's well, a real shame? This is the Six Nations episode, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on so the Six, this is the World Cup. I like, probably yeah. come up with some Six Nations anecdotes as well, but we'll get there. <laughs> right. Uh, stat of the week. Um, who wants to? Who wants to take this? Take us away first. I can. I can fly through mine pretty quickly. Go for it. It's March Madness. Ah which yes. Is, as as a I mean, Charlie, as a keen listener, you will understand that I am uh, I'm a hound regularly love for being, US being a US sports lover, yeah. which, you know what, you're not necessarily incorrect. Nah. March Madness, it's the annual um, Division One 
NCAA college men's basketball tournament, single elimination, 64 teams. Uh, or the last initial play, there's a play-in where you start with 68 teams and actually whittle it down to 64. But I basically didn't go into the details of that because I thought, why bother? <laughs> um, divided into four sort of regions. Each region has succeeded one to 16. It's absolutely mad popular in the States. You know, millions of people filling out these sort of brackets every so year. So it's mad in March, you say? Yeah. It's March. March madness. If only they thought right what's rice itself doesn't it these what's things? that you'd like some other alliterations well there's the sweet there's 16 stu- there's some stupid amount of money bet on it as well isn't oh, it? they go crazy charlie's ears are perked up yeah there's the sweet 16 i think we're down to the elite eight very soon then the final four and then the championship dynamic the championship, <laughs> the championship game yeah when you say it's sort of divided into regions yeah as in are these geographic regions? Yes, it, some... it would be loose geographic regions, okay. but I mean, it's not know. exactly north south east. How, how, no. how do the teams qualify? Uh, by being basically, in... is it like a regular season? The, the pyramids up to this? Essentially, yeah. There's there's 363 Division One teams in college basketball in the states, and then they play. I think it's roughly it's like a 35 game season beforehand, and then they do something with it. It's done on your record. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't it something like, because you said the brackets, basically, you pick winners of each game and try and predict the final winner. Um, and like 20, oh, I can't remember, it was millions of brackets get submitted. Yeah. Um, and like the, it's quite funny, the, the like CEOs of major corporations get closely followed, like, like oh, if Tim Cook puts his in, like people follow it really closely and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and like after the first round, because there are a few upsets, it was like 0.03% of brackets were correct after the first round or something. It's, yeah, it's absolutely minuscule because some there'll be some some like uh, some to, sporting upset yeah. somewhere which just vindicates Ruins the everyone. purpose of watching sport. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the thing that's unique about basketball about any other sports, Charlie. That on any given Sunday, any basketball team could beat any other basketball team. Mm. Yeah, so it's just not like. How do you feel about mixing your American sporting film metaphors there? Uh, positively, I feel very, I feel very good about that. Frankly, it's just a delight to have someone who actually knows about any given Sunday the film, as opposed to these cretins who are normally. I knew that was an NFL, well, oh, American football I reference. Knew that was American football reference. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so sixty-three game tournament. Um, it, basically, no one really makes it past the the second round. I think is midway through the second round. I think is the longest anyone's bracket has stayed alive. Um, but we've had possibly the second biggest upset in the history of uh, the sport happened last week when Fairleigh Dickinson beat F- Purdue. F- is that FDU? Yeah. Yeah. 63-58 um, in the East region. It's a low-scoring game, isn't it? Well, College not, ball is. They're not actually they play very, shorter. Not, they're not actually very good. At they play shorter either. quarters as well. They play yeah. shorter games, and they're not NBA stars. But the the, <laughs> the three-point line is also closer. Much closer. Yeah. So what was the which was the surprise package college? I want to say about three, four, uh, yeah, five years ago now, I reckon. And um, they had a, oh. a a tiny nun who would sort of bless the team before every game. It was, I remember these pictures. Really? And, and that this particular team went really quite deep into the tournament. Is this where he says, funny you should mention that? Well, and there was, there, there, just remember the pictures. It's yeah. this, this tiny nun who was about 90 and probably no more than four foot eight, <laughs> okay. surrounded by these I was like, going to say, that's my next question was going to be, was <clears throat> she a tiny nun or was she a normal sized nun? 
just surrounded by massive basketball players. I I didn't do my prep well enough to be able to answer the question, what is the average height of a nun? Um, But she looked very small. I don't want to sound disappointed, but... Um, It may may well have been... So I I didn't... What was the the team, anyway? I I don't know. But I, I know that the biggest upset was in 2017, which was the first time. So Fairleigh Dickinson were the second number 16 seed ever to beat a number one seed yeah. from a particular region. Ever? Oh, wow. Ever. And the first was in 2017. Which was? Uh, Virginia lost to UMBC, who I rather helpfully have not laid <laughs> out the entirety of that. So I have no idea who You've UMBC... You've done a lot of what I describe as incomplete research for this. So. Yeah. You just half-assed that, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, fair. UMBC, you say? UMBC. Muh. Brilliant, really irritating. Uh, so they won by twenty points, although they were twenty point underdogs. So oh, that wow. was that was kind of the surprise. Of the we century. talked. This is the men's game. This yeah. is the, this is the men's game. Is March Madness uh, available for uh, the the women folk women as well? I don't know if it's called March Madness still, but they definitely have a tournament yeah, right now. There's, there's, I saw the, equivalent. there's one tournament where I can't. I want to say Texas A and M was one of the teams, and there was some big beef at the end of the game where like. Two of the players properly squared up to one another, and it got shared wildly on uh, on Twitter. So I've just done the, the classic Google search NCAA men's basketball nun search. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was Freaking, that was that a, Sister Jean? Was that Sister Jean? Was that Loyola? Also, Loyola. Loyola. She's now one hundred and three. Oh Jesus! Let me just see how tall she is. Were the players blessing her by any chance? <laughs> well, that, you should see this though. There you go. I shouldn't. There, see. I mean, listen, you can't, you can't see this right now, but um, what have we done here? Wrong one. Sorry. There you see that she. Oh is... wow, she's tiny. Oh, yeah. Holy crap! I mean, she's very she tiny. Well, they may have a have an abnormally. They might tall be eight foot tall. Yeah. She is. She is. Does look small when compared to the professional basketballers. Yeah. Um. So Fairley Dickinson are the shortest of all 363 Division One teams in the country. Oh, nice! Uh, average height of just normally over a six disadvantage in basketball. Famously, normally a disadvantage in basketball. Uh, average height of just over six foot one. Uh, well, they went, if I remember correctly, yeah. tall enough to make it or have half a chance of making it in rowing. Yeah, good knowledge. Yeah, average. I don't know how much they weigh know. though. <laughs> Let's find out. Um, they were 21 and 15 this season, and they beat Purdue. Purdue, Purdue actually twenty nine and six coming into the tournament. Nicknamed the Boilermakers, and the mascot is a train. That was That's train. just rubbish, isn't it? Uh, as someone who likes trains, I disagree. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you there. What does your girlfriend think about your train official? Gonna move on. How did they do it? They played an aggressive <laughs> full court press, which is very unlike most basketball setups. Uh, and fun fact, the Purdue's best player is a is a guy called Zach Eady. He's a centre who's seven foot four. That's tall. One of the Big Ten Player of the Year, and he's a consensus first team All American, which means he basically was very good at basketball. Turns out he can. And he just, I, I had a brief watch of the highlights, just the, him being swarmed by these much smaller, <laughs> much smaller <laughs> players. I've, I've done her an enormous disservice, actually. Um, Sister Jean is um, pretty much exactly five foot. That's not. Yeah, four foot eight. God. Oh well. Sure, changing her. I do apologise, Sister Jean, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we do it. We'll take it all back. You, yeah, please come on and tell us about your experiences blessing basketball players. Yeah. That are two foot four inches taller than you. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well but Zach Eady obviously will be three yeah. foot four inch taller. Anyway, there you are. Nice. Who's your pick for the uh, championship game? Well, that would be just you know. Can the you usual... name a single team that you're confident is still in it? Uh, no. <laughs> no, probably Indiana. Maybe maybe Mich- Well, uh, Kansas and Kentucky are usually. Kentucky Duke. Usually good bets. Duke. Yeah, yeah. I, I confess I don't watch much, if any, college ball. And this is Matt. This is Matt, who famously turned up to an NFL game back in October wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey, which brought I've, I own I I like from what it. I can tell mainly to irritate me and no, solely to irritate. And you. by God, it worked. <laughs> nice. Anyway, there we go. Nice. Is that. there any clothing that he could have turned up in that wouldn't have annoyed you? Uh, just is it more the what's in the clothing than the clothing yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, the, the wrapper doesn't matter so much, Bill, does it? Leave, leave the jumper. <laughs> <laughs> the jumper's fine. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, something appropriate for the basically not not the wrong sport. Was it? You, you can sprinkle glitter on a turd and it's still a turd. That is that's well, that's one way of phrasing yeah. that phrase. Yeah, you can't polish it. Yeah. Have you got a uh, stats of the week chance? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yes. So in, in the spirit of um, Ireland winning the Grand Slam and um, last week being uh, an Irish-dominated horse racing ah, yes. meeting, so the Cheltenham Festival was last week, and it has been a decade-long trend now that the Irish, that what used to be referred to as Irish Raiders now, basically just own Ireland Cheltenham. again. <laughs> they own Cheltenham. And I think I'm right in saying that the first year that Irish trained horses um, sort of won more races than their British competitors oh. was 2013. And then there were a couple of years where there was a bit of a British fight back. And then since then, um, it's been royally dominated by the Irish. And so it's, it's sort of um, all comes together in this thing called the Presbury Cup. I don't know if it's an actual cup that actually gets presented or if it's just a sort of a, uh, a so this, notional this thing. Irish domination is it the sorry is it the trainers, the horses, or the yeah, jockeys? Well, that's, that's an excellent or is question. it all of it's it? It's almost like an F one question, isn't it? It's like yeah. what is oh, the chassis of the car? But um, not F one. Uh, away from this. <laughs> it's I think it is the um, where they are trained. Yeah. Um, determines the nationality, yeah, the allegiance of the, 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 the Philly. Cup. Well, that does does raise an interesting additional question, which we can come to as well. But um, so there are twenty eight races in the festival, four days, seven a day, obviously. Um, the Irish won eighteen to ten this year. Um, it's not bad. Um, are there any outside of the British Isles? Not this year. Um, I mean, it's very rare. Yeah. Um, and I think the last... So it's basically Ireland or mainland. Or, or the UK, yeah. where um, there was a, a horse that was trained by a Welsh trainer this year, I think, which I think, you know, will claim... Boyo, the lads. How are the lads? How are the lads? Spread of heaven. How are the lads? <laughs> well, that'd be more northeast than... Yeah, true. Boyo, but... Anyway, so the Irish won the Presbury Cup this year, 18 races to 10. Um, well, if you go back to so just the last decade, so there have been, I mean, Phil, your math is pretty good, but 280 races. I could do 10 times 28, yeah. 280 races. And in that time, 
it looks like there have been two races won by other nationalities. I didn't. Okay, do so the, 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 as good as nothing. So right? of yeah. those two hundred eighty races, you've obviously looked at my screen. Um, but, um, these not that well. How how many were have been won by Irish trained horses versus? Well, you said that Ireland, the first year they won more was 2013. Yeah, yeah. so we're not thinking that. So basically, basically the last decade, they probably won more. I'm going to go... It's 18 to 10 this year. And that was I'm going to average 60-40. So, what's 60% of 280? 28 times 6, 128 for the Irish. Reese. I actually haven't seen the screen. Uh, so 18 to 10 is six percent this year, which you've held out as quite a large number. So I'd say so. The, big, the, big, the biggest margin yeah. was two years ago, 2021, 23 to five. Oh, which right in that case, I instantly regret everything. That <laughs> absolute shoeing. I'm gonna go. That's a bit of a shoeing. I'm gonna go a bit lower than. I'm gonna say what fifth, fifth, What's did you say six, 60 percent? Uh, 60 percent, which is one six eight. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lower. One six seven. Absolutely rat. Uh, 160. Yeah. You should have gone, gone 167. It's actually 166. Oh, gosh darn it. 112. In 2021, Paddy Power did sort of a, a, one of their classic joke. People might go for it for a bit of a laugh. Yeah. They'll, they'll pay out when the Irish get to 20 wins. <laughs> nice. And uh, I think the, the white towel was thrown in midway through day, day yeah. two. Um, so I thought that was, that was quite interesting, just the, the dominance of national hunt racing full stop but but absolutely exemplified in the ongoing relative performance of irish versus british is there anything that's sort of yeah, what's is there like a setup difference is there the grass is greener that no do you know what i mean like is there like a fundamental they train horses differently or is it like why because to do it that often, there must be a difference. Is it just that they've got good stock of horses? Well, is well, it the way they train? Maybe, maybe well, they've, it's always a self trading cycle as well. If you have the best horses, well, you breed you, the best you horses. Send them, you yeah. send them to Ireland, you train them in Ireland. Yeah, point. so I mean, there, there is more money, more prize money. There are more races, etc. in the UK than, than in yeah. Ireland. But... You know, you, you, I think ultimately it is success breeds success. And yeah. I read last week that Willie Mullins, who's you know, he's been champion Irish trainer for probably about twenty years in a row now, he's now got two hundred horses in his stables. Um, Gordon Elliott, who's the guy that you may recall, was photographed astride a dead horse uh, somewhere mm. on his gallops and so on. But he, Classy bloke. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know he he's. He's been very, very successful the last few years. Henry de Bromerhead was is the trainer of um, a lot of the horses that Rachel Blackmore has ridden. So Aputar, for example, is a de Bromerhead horse. And I, I just think that that the owners of horses are increasingly attracted to yeah. Irish mm. trainers because yeah. for whatever reason, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the evidence is there. Yeah, um, and it does. You know, Paul Nichols, who has, you know, I think he's won Nicky Henson, of course, is the the other probably biggest name in. In British racing, um, certainly national hunt racing, um, you know, Nichols hadn't won hadn't won a race at Cheltenham for something like three or four years, and, and had a few winners this year. But um, yeah, I guess just the, the money and the owners 
go to where yeah they perceive as soon as it starts working yeah and you know mullins has had 94 Cheltenham winners that's a lot it's it, 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 it's a ridiculous number um yeah 10 last year i think six this year so um how, do you know i have any idea how much the second is that the most is that the most Cheltenham winners yeah yeah, yeah. Gone, by, yeah. By, by who's do you know what sec- second like roughly is it doing it's like 60, it's, i think it is henderson and he's on 70 odd 71 or maybe it was before this, this where does the second. money come from from being a horse trainer do you get a cut of the winnings like how much does the winning so horse get so right? i think that they they will charge like stud fee well, yeah. not stud fees, but like if you like, win the gold cup how much does the winning horse get yeah good question because um i mean it's it's reasonable money yeah i get the impression it's not not lucrative no i think so, <laughs> so that the bigger money is definitely for winnings is definitely in flat racing um but recently going to tell us what you get apparently the gold so, cup. well Sheldon gold cup of the yeah, world wikipedia 625 grand yeah, so right? yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's not bad. It's pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, you get eighteen of those. Yeah, given there is horse racing every day. Yeah, bar Christmas, famously. Um, but is that for the is that the Gold Cup? Is that one specific? So the Gold Cup is the, is right, the yeah. sort of the the marquee race yeah, of, yeah. The, of the of the entire meeting. Um, and on the fourth day, Mullins had a winner in the first race with a horse called Lossy Mouth. Uh, he then also saddled the horses that finished second, third, and fourth. So he had a Jeez. one, two, three, four in the first race. Um, but interestingly, there was a British trainer back in the early 80s um, called Michael Dickinson, who had one, two, three, four, and five in the Gold Cup. The Dickinson Bowl. <laughs> that is, that's pretty impressive. Um, and I would. You just stop cheering when you. Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're nice win. Fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, takes all the magic out of it, really, yeah. doesn't it? Um, so, and I, I would definitely commend you just to uh, the few YouTube videos. I think I shared it with you guys, but it, yeah, it's it's worth a look just because actually a very good competitive race. Yeah, and any one of the first four could have won it, um, but for one trainer to have five horses finish in the top That's five, or that meant pretty like finish all yes. stop, but yeah. just for like the first five. But anyway, so my my stat of the week was just to, to, to highlight the ongoing dominance of. Irish trained it's horses. Not just rugby. Not just rugby. Although interestingly, of those eighteen winners that they had, um, ten were actually French horses. So ah. they, they'd born and raised in France. Their early training would have been done in France and yeah. then shipped over to um, to England. Presumably, there's some like racist joke you can make about like you know, they'd been <laughs> eaten in France or something. Um, but we will we'll, we'll dance we'll swiftly around that. We'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are now glue. But, yeah. <laughs> That's where yeah. most of the money's made, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Prit stick. You ever seen the price, the cost yeah. of Prit sticks yeah, these all days? Those kids listening. That's a dead horse you're sticking in. Yeah. Schoolwork together with. Um, Infla- you know, compound inflation. <laughs> yeah. There's a horse called Jazzy Matty. One this year. It's because it's like you can't name a horse the same as any other horse in the history, right? So the names are getting increasingly creative. I Has there ever been a horse called just like Dwayne? There must have been. No, but Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne the horse. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't think anyone. I just think as opposed to Dwayne the Rock. Like, yeah, okay, so Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, I mean, what what would you guys call a racehorse? Um, when when you've when you've got money beyond your wildest dreams and what you I would go have to either an entire racehorse. If uh, I had to buy an entire uh, racehorse, steeply chasement. <laughs> or... <laughs> I mean, that really is. Um, I'd go steep, steeply chasement. Steeply yeah. Chasement. 
I mean, I'd probably just, I'd probably call it glue with a singular U with an umlaut over the top. <laughs> GLU. Nice. GLU. <laughs> glue. Swedish horse that you've bought. Yeah. I mean, that. And uh, if he wins, great. If he doesn't, I'm not sure if the jockey club have rules around things like I wouldn't call it win, win a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what's bet, their view? Bet what's on their me, view? please. Pedigree chump. What's their view on nominative determinism? Well, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. We should look. If you're listening, we should look it up. <laughs> before the, the jockeys club. out there are listening. And you're shorter than the nun supporting NCAA match. I mean, to be fair, she'd make a great jockey, she, presumably. Yeah. She's probably quite tall for a jacket. She's five foot. She's 103. <laughs> I mean, look, look, she look, may well have gone on are, her side. But I mean, come on. We are not an ageist podcast. <laughs> yeah. She if can, you want to ride a horse, you go out and ride a horse. She's wandered around blessing people. Uh, sure. 103. She can, she can clearly has no limits. <laughs> it's like the uh, it's a caddyshack. The um, yeah. The vicar who's on like the round of his life uh, gets struck by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> like if you luck's in, <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to ride the gold cup. You see if I don't. What a, what a way to do it. Her yeah. sister Margaret riding glue. With them I can't remember which golfer said this just because you mentioned it, but they said uh, there was a famous golfer who said, if you ever get caught in a thunderstorm on the golf course, just hold up your one iron because not even God can hit a one iron. <laughs> very good. Um, nice. So, yeah, Irish horses are fast. Turns and out. good at jumping. And good at jumping. The combination. Nice. Um, I'll rattle through mine quite quickly. Uh, I just wanted to pay a quick nod uh, to the retiring of one of the greats of uh, football, soccer, um, Mesut Ozil Mm. announced his retirement this week. The German international represented uh, most famously Real Madrid and Arsenal, but also Werder Bremen and Fenerbahce, I believe are only two other clubs. Um, Yeah, I'll go through a few of his, his stats, but I think he was one of those players that, so when I watch sport, uh, I kind of fall into two categories. I either want to watch someone who's just flat out phenomenal and just brilliant, and you watch them and think, Jesus, how do they do that? Or you want to watch someone who's like completely flair and either just yeah. is ruthlessly fantastic or insanely flary. And sometimes you get players that are just one or the other, like you get these like robotic winners, like, I don't know, a, a Born in Bjorn in tennis, which Bjorn, Bjorn, yeah, Borg, Bjorn, Borg, sorry, yeah, but um, no, he's first first name terms, yeah, 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 and just yeah, who's just robotic winner, not flair at all. Then you get the flair players that aren't necessarily they're at the top of the game, but aren't well. Alan, Alan, how do you define flair? True, but but Borg may have been comparatively emotionless juxtaposed against McEnroe, but he wasn't a boring watch. No, as a tennis player. That's what I'm kind of getting to, and that you get some players that are just robotic winners in, in certain things. I'm trying to think, I, this is the problem. There aren't many that just win everything and are kind of ruthlessly robotic about Phil, it. Phil the power tailor would be uh, in darts. was just Yeah, just metronome. Really, quite, yeah. quite difficult to be flary in darts, though. I don't know. I don't know. The, the lads who just, the, just sort of spun it sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Do their ass goes. And then, yeah, get players that like are at top of the game, but aren't quite well beaters like the one that comes to my mind most is Berbatov, just insanely flary, and you feel that if you really put your mind to it, you could have been one of the top ten players in the world, but for whatever reason didn't. But then seven seconds or less, Phoenix Suns, flary. For me, Özil's that like perfect blend where 
at his best, he was the best. He was probably the best player in the world. You're in that conversation when he was, he'd be the best player on the pitch when he had a blinding performance. And some of the stuff he did, you'd just be there like, how is that possible? Just had the ball on absolute string. And it was a joy to watch. Um, didn't, to run, go, didn't run enough though, did he? Didn't run enough. Didn't he run, run enough. Ran, he, well. We get this unbelievably flary play with that great vision and wonderfully silken touch and these sort of great first time balls to players that you didn't, you couldn't see if you were you know, playing FIFA yeah. with them. And then they come over here and we're like, He's got a rug ball, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. What, what is, what's going on there? There's a story about uh, Matt Lattin's early days. Um, I can't remember who the manager was. Basically, he calls him out to the front of the group. He's like, this is Matt. He's the guy that scored the goals that's going to keep us up. Probably Unfortunately, running. he can't defend, so the rest of you are going to have to do his running for him. <laughs> Although we don't condone his opinions on vaccines. and. Uh... No, he's just asking questions. <laughs> yeah, yes. His, um, his highlights real though is a yeah, joke. Something else. Um, so yeah, Letitia probably falls into that flair, but not ever. How dare you? You know. He's... Um, right. So, quick question for you, Messi Özil. In his career, how many league titles did he win? So none at Arsenal, obviously. True Palace fan. He went to he went to Real. I think was it post twenty ten World Cup. So they bought they bought Hammers in twenty fourteen, which is when he was he was pushed out. This is the thing, I, I yearned for the day of the the number ten, the Maisie playmaker. <laughs> I it, did he probably win three at Real and that I can't remember. Any advances on three? Uh he definitely didn't win any with Dortmund. was it Dortmund? No. Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen, yeah. I'm gonna put it in misery, team, he won one league title in his career. Was it even at Madrid? Eleven twelve La Liga, yeah. How many Champions Leagues? Zero. Correct. Didn't win a single Champions League, despite being at Real Madrid for those. It's kind of that. that it's the only four-year period. Where basically, yeah, literally the only four-year yeah. period when they were hunting the decima. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, his honours are pretty extensive. So he's won the Liga, uh, one Copa del Rey, four FA Cups, um, Europa League silver medal. Um, he obviously won the World Cup in 2014. A um, bunch of individual honours, so most assists in the Premier League in 15-16, German Player of the Year in 2011-12, 13-15-16. So in a year he didn't win it in that stretch was 2014 when they won the World Cup. Uh, UEFA Team of the Year for 2012-13, so yeah, and the, the list does go on, so pretty darn good. Um, but some of the other things that I thought were particularly impressive, he, uh, where does he rank all-time career assists? Every player in the history of football, career assists, club and country. Mm. God, seven. How many, so wh- when did he make his debut for Bremen? Oh, uh, I think it's seven. Seven? seven he won their FA Cup in 08-09. I actually vaguely remember signing him on a, an early fee. So he's had a 16-year professional career, give or take. Yeah. I think his assists for Arsenal, that you just mentioned, was 19 for the season. Uh, in his best season, yes, it was. Well done. So if that's a high watermark for a club. Um, I have a less scientific approach. I'm going to say... Uh, two eight five. Mm, 250. 
Feel a bit low. I'm gonna say around two twenty. But I think two five one. Nice. Ninth all time. Yes, man. Just playing Gigsy and well, Di Maria. He because he was real pre Bale, right? Yeah. Um, yeah so he, he he had a absolute butt ton at Real. Um, he was the leading assister in the Liga three years on the bounce. Which when you think that was when Xavi and Iniesta were tearing it up with Messi via. Etu, Omri's, Omri, yeah. etc. In front of them. Problem was Sergio Ramos kept getting sent off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, probably why they didn't win Champions League enough. Um, he so also they what his, what what's the top ten out of interest? Uh, All time sisters. Yeah, I oh, know I've got it. Um, so he he's at nine, Giggs eight, Di Maria seven, Beckham six, Neymar five, Muller four, Figo Muller. three. Uh, presumably That's Thomas one. Thomas uh, Thomas, sorry, yes. Figo three, Suarez two, Messi one. I mean Suarez. <laughs> it is play, amazing though how where's Ronaldo on that list? Tenth. Okay. So Messi's on three fifty at first. Ronaldo's tenth on two fifty basically. Two for some. Oh man. So I mean that some of the, the graphs of goals and the two assists and like efficiency during that time, they basically Messi it's just has like, his own it's box. Like, yeah, everyone's all over here, and then Messi. But for Ronaldo hasn't there. attempted an assist for a, for a decade now. <laughs> yeah. So. Exactly. No, but we should mention he's just become the the most capped international player of all time. Has he? Did he play? Yeah, I think he played. So congrats, Cristiano. So what 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 sort of brief conclusion then on Bozil's career because. Sort of this is what I was going to finish on because pretty poorly. It, I hate, yeah, I hate, and, and I don't think I don't think this is going to happen with Ronaldo. But it always makes me sad when brilliant players go to Saudi League, Chinese Super League, even MLS to some extent, take their paycheck for four or five years, and just die a slow death of their career rather than going out on top. I kind of get it. I kind of don't. I get it because. You can still play professional football. That's what you love. That's what you do. You want to play for as long as possible. It can't be because of money. They're all just billionaires anyway. Yeah, but, but say no to yeah free money. But so are you saying that's what Özil did by going I, to Turkey? I don't know if that was for money because he's originally Turkish, right? Um, so I don't yeah. know if that was part of it. His parents, yeah. It? Um, but it does feel weird that a player who's that good when you think about it had basically four good years of Real mm. where he could have won stuff and then he moved to, moved to Turkey. a not brilliant Arsenal team where Danny Welbeck was his centre forward <laughs> but still was assisting. and was still tearing it up still oh, Giroud, getting the most Giroud's assists underrated, he's right? had the third most assists I think he's got the third most assists in the Premier League ever or maybe in one season sorry um, assists obviously still an inherently flawed stat because it relies on someone else actually finishing the damn thing yeah whereas that's the thing if you got put on if he'd been bought in and replaced David Silver at City, would he have been getting 25 assists a year in the Premier League? Probably. Um, but yeah. I'm so he's... Good. I just thought, you know. Yeah, to me, it's just not a wasted career, but it's weird that you think someone that freakishly good had basically four years at the top of the game. Yeah, but and then spent a couple of years in um, in Turkey to finish it off. A bit like Deli Ali. Yeah, or shit <laughs> even have you heard he's not even training at the minute. Well, that's yeah, they'd like to go back. When when I was sort of trying to do my homework and listening to your most recent 
um, recording and that, like the thing about what happened after four minutes and 38 seconds, whatever, the, the, the toys being thrown. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it's got a bit of Deli Alley quite yeah. <laughs> like what he came off, he came on. Like, <laughs> that's, um, the, uh, that's the Rivals episode, everyone. It's great listening if you haven't listened to yeah, it. But, and the other, the last stat I actually have of Ozil, he is the most assist hat tricks ever. Career assist hat tricks. As in th- three in a game. Three in a game with eight. Uh, Fabregas and Messi on six. I mean, Fabregas, I wonder how many of those were Messi hat tricks. Less impressive. But, um, yeah, they probably weren't Arsenal, were they? I, I mean, it, it does, it's obviously not, not a. Um, uh, sort of sort of happenstance that those are for two of the more attacking free flow football sides. Yes. Obviously, Fabregas spans Arsenal and Barca. I wonder how many of those were Arsenal. And they could be Spain as well. And Spain as well, yeah, true. And the, the last few years of Ozil's career were sort of characterised by an increasingly political sort of tone. In, yeah. You know, and he was seen as a bit of not not quite petulant child, right? But... No, but but he 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 made this sort of was. If you know anything about sort of Gastarbeiter and um, the sort of the, the, the cultural mix in in Germany, and he, mm. that that quote he came out with is you know when when we win I'm German and yeah, when we lose yeah. I'm Turkish yeah. sort of points to some quite interesting underlying tensions. Well, within, he's never quite been accepted within German accept football. Trip. Yeah. Um, can you do me a favour, Reese? Yeah. Uh, just look up. Um, just search for Meza Özil. And Enzo Ferrari. Oh, they you, look identical. And isn't it they? It's almost Enzo like, Ferrari died the day Mesut was born, or something weird. Good God, that is incredible. And, yeah, no. When did Ozil di- When did died. Ferrari die? It was in the same month or something. August eighty-eight. It looked. Oh no, August eighty-eight, and he was October eighty-eight. So yeah, so two months later. Yeah, Enzo Ferrari died, and two months later, Ozil was born, and I they mean, are. Father and son. I'm not a scientist, but I think two months is enough time for a spirit to inhabit someone else. <laughs> that is remarkable. Freakishly similar. If you listen to this, do yourself a favour and Google Mesa Ozil and Ferrari. Yeah, they are. That is that one is and the same. Amazing. My my favourite Mesa. So I'm actually a big fan of Ozil. I love Amazing Number Ten, possibly from the old Latiz days. The you know, free roll, playing behind the lines, just kind of just roaming around, doing as you see fit. Um, like great vision passes, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I, think, I don't know if you remember, but when they bought Ozil, it was what, 43, 53 million or something. 40, it was, it, it was the height of Wenger being criticised for having 37 million and then 5 million over five years, even. So basically, I'm right. Yeah. Thanks. I'm right, everyone. Cheers, lads. <laughs> um, it was the height of RC Wenger being criticised for having a team full of flary attacking midfielders. Mm. And then he goes, F you on proper striker. <laughs> and then the defensive midfielder. In, you know, the new Vieira, and he went, you know what? My Ros- midfield's going to be yeah. Kleb. My midfield's going to be Erzil, Fabregas, Cazorla. <laughs> I, I, I also seem to recall that Erzil being signed by Arsenal triggered Wayne Rooney having a bit of an epi fit. Uh, sorry, that's inappropriate. Having like Wayne Rooney um, a, tantrum. a tantrum at United because... You know, he went in and said to Ferguson, you know, we've got no ambition, what's going on with the club? Mm. Arsenal, like, effing Arsenal are signing Ozil, like, who are we signing? Apparently, um, and, um, and he, put, Ferguson, I think he put in a transfer request on the back of that. Ferguson tried to sign Ozil, um, but then Real Madrid put a bid in from Bremen. Yeah. He tried so, really hard to sign him when he went to Real. I think there's a, an entirely, there's a whole 
episode of its own, like players that Ferguson should have signed or could have signed yeah. and didn't. Wenger would be up there as well. He had a few. Versus the players that he did sign. Yeah. Alex Ferguson's transfer record, discuss. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Zidane was in that. I think yeah. Was by Ronaldo. Bebe. Yeah, well. Mrs. Zidane took one look at Manchester and thought, <laughs> not so yeah, for me. Madrid. Well, yeah. that was the, it's I will the, live in Madrid, thanks. Yeah. Obviously, it's the part of football is that, yeah, obviously, it's, it's not like it's now, but like people, the thing with Di Maria, right, was that he never fully settled in, Man United, in Manchester. He wasn't used particularly well, I think. Manchester's but he's, and, but, and then their house was broken into and his wife never felt quite safe, never quite felt safe, so he ended up leaving after, what, just a year, despite the fact that mm. he was actually doing pretty well. And he's still... His, his animated corpse is still chugging on at Juventus as they are possibly Do you not about see the to goal run? we scored the other week? Oh, he's good. Unreal. Possibly about to go back to second in the league because there's a points deduction that may or may not be overturned. God knows. Yeah. Definitely I mean, Napoli are running away with it, obviously. There's a but Victor Ozymen song, which is amazing. And you should both More importantly, to. Six Nations. Oh, yeah. yeah we've we've got through that Ozil chat quickly, like you promised. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't realize we'd talk about it. So. Sorry, I didn't realize we were about to take a brief jaunt through German Turkish political. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thoughts on Erdogan? Discuss no. Um <laughs> But anyway, six nations. I've got a genuinely brief story because I know that you two have gone ballistic. Uh, and then I'll let you two fire at I've it. I've just got loads of questions. My, I've got many answers. Just my story is it's story slash question, mainly Parnell, because I'd be gobsmacked if Reese can answer Does it involve this. the 2008-9 Ireland backline? <laughs> it is 2013. Uh, what was special slash unique about... So George North uh, in George uh, North. in Paris scored... Uh, it was 6-all with about 10 minutes to go. Uh, championship on the line. Uh, George North scores a try to put Wales 13-6 up and uh, gone to win that match and the championship in 2013. Um, when he scored, there was a uh, pitch invader. What was special about that pitch invader in 2013 when George North scored at uh, the He's here right France? now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome here. <laughs> what was special about that pitch invader? You are allowed to answer, Reese, if you're... Uh, I mean, I, I, what was special about the pitch invader? Uh, he was dressed as a brontosaurus. No. Any advances on the brontosaurus? Was it? Was it Charlie Parnell? It wasn't literally me. No. Um, the only, the only, I mean, complete digression. But the only <laughs> Wales France enter game sort of weirdness that I can recall was. I think it must have been 2017 because England were going for a second Grand Slam and they played Ireland in Dublin and they lost. But the game before that was France-Wales and the game went on for about seven hours because there was a scrum <laughs> that kept being reset. Oh, on God, I do. Do you remember that? Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. It was George North's dad. What? George North scored a try and his dad was watching in the front row. Amazing. Went mental and just streamed onto the pitch and like gave George a hug. And from was the highlights. Was he in full Wales kit? No, he was just in like a black Terry. hoodie. <laughs> I think he was in jeans and like a black hoodie. And from the um, highlights of it, he hugs George from behind and George doesn't turn around and then he gets torn off by security. And I don't think at any point during the game, George realised it was his dad who'd like stormed onto <laughs> the pitch. 
Because like, from, from the highlights, yeah. he doesn't turn around, he doesn't clock that it's his old man Crazy. and just scores a try and carries a play. So he must have be like, oh, Dad, did you enjoy that? And his dad will be like, in, like, in dummy handcuffs at the back of the stand front because he's been banned from the pitch. No, the French have got a great record with sporting occasions. Yeah. Sadly, you can't currently access the Stade de France because it is behind a 30-metre wall of garbage whilst all the uh, strikes go on. But, is that right? Do you not know that? Yeah, they're all, they're all the uh, garbage collectors have been on strike for about four weeks because of Macron's pension reforms. But back to the Six Nations. Yeah. Can, we also re- oh, can we also briefly revisit the irony of Charlie calling Charlie John Terrying someone else? When correct me if I'm wrong, but you did turn up to a game to watch once with your with your kit, in the, kit car. in the car, and after a couple of injuries, you were begrudgingly one to jump, one to jump, yeah, one to Kenneth, Kenneth. Kenneth. yeah, a couple of centre back injuries. You were on the pitch in grudgingly, yeah, you loved it. One of the weakest, the most average back fours. Martin Russets away at, in twenty. Martin Russets away, February twenty twenty. That's a story for another day. Yeah. So that was my yeah that was my fun Six Nations story. George North, storming. Um, the only other one, Ireland are brilliant. They are now the only team with a winning record over England in the Six Nations. Fifty eight percent. Tell you what, that, that, those England early years were unbelievable. Yeah. It turns out. Two thousand two thousand and four. No, we've had enough of you, Reese. Pun out. What did you want to talk about? So While you pour over Reese's well, I'm, I'm, wall I'm, of statistics. Well, it is useful and interesting to have all of all of these Six Nations stats. And I think so. To be clear, Reese has compiled going back to two thousand every final table standings of the Six Nations. Look, people, it may seem to you listening that we just rock up having done almost no preparation whatsoever. But, and normally that's true. And normally that is true. But today, I spent quite a lot of time just putting brilliant, yeah. stuff into conditional so, formatting, oh, everything. I, if you're hiring, conditionally conditional formatting. Mm. Um, so I, I suspect that Reese is going to talk about um, some interesting observations at, around the winning of the tournament. And if you do losing, talk about Wales. I'm going no, to invite you. No. So many years ago. Like in the 80s and 90s, the joke was always about, you know, Ireland or Wales were going to win the wooden spoon. Um, Wales have done generally rather well in the Six Nations. Phil's just pointed out that Ireland have also done rather well and are pretty special at the moment. Um, but I'm just going to ask a sort of almost existential question around the Six Nations versus the Five Nations because. Looking at the bottom end of the table, it's fairly consistent. There have been so what this is. We've just had the twenty third or twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Started in two thousand. So we have the twenty fourth championship that has featured six teams, and in all but twenty. So there's in five all, in all but non-Italian. Four, well, Italy have finished bottom. Scotland twice, Wales twice, France once, I think. Italy have won 14 games and their last win was in 2015. So that can't be right. Unless... They beat us last year. So Italy have. Oh, yeah, fair. The last, no, time, they, the last time yeah, they finished yeah, anywhere yeah, other yeah, than right, sixth. You're right. Their was... last non wooden spoon was 2015. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Their highest position, I believe, was fourth in 2013. Yeah, they have so six, six non wooden spoons. Uh, so I, I think. 
We come out swinging, having Sorry, had a lovely pizza. It's fine. So yeah, there'd be five Six Nations Championships in which the Italians have finished higher than six, is it? Yeah, six. Okay, six. 18 of 24. So a quarter yeah. of Six Nations Championships, Wales, sorry, Italy, have not, not finished bottom. <laughs> and it sort of begs the question, what, what is the point of Italy in the Six Nations? Now, that's no. not to say they've not contributed and there have been some fantastic um, Italian players, Parise being, I suspect, the, the pick. Front and centre, yeah. Um, there have been some pretty interesting low points. Um, it was the, was it Bergamasco? Yeah. Playing at nine. When yeah, played, yeah. Like, remarkable. I mean, they're, they're, but Mauro, I think, was it? I, uh, I think it could be quite interesting if they were to expand the scope of the tournament to include that second tier of European rugby that I was trying to look up earlier. Yeah. Because I think Georgia... I think it should be a seven nations and the bottom two should go down. I get... We can make your argument, bottom six... Karen is six nations, bottom team gets relegated. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then would it not be Italy and Georgia flip-flopping every year? Well, no, because there have been some years where other teams have finished bottom. Yeah. But... It is interesting. But who, but who, who, it who, does need something, I think, to change because but who, who, Italy have come on leaps and bounds, but they're still the absolute whipping boys. Having looked at their points difference, so this year, six, oh, it's 60, 131, minus 184, minus 134, minus 88. So it's not exactly... There's a brief period from 2005 to 2013 where their points differential was, on average, probably about minus 60-ish, which is the closest, I think, which is still they've, they've every really game been, by but, okay. But, but the thing is, since 2014, it's, it's shot there. up again. The yeah. average is probably around the so average, yeah, average losses. I'll take your point, but it's worth noting <coughs> that in the World Cup this year, you've got Georgia, Romania, and Portugal have all qualified yep. for the World Cup. Yep, yep, yep. So that suggests to me there is a reasonable, there is a second tier depth in that second tier, and. I don't see anything wrong with keeping the, the sort of the traditional five nations teams honest. Because there may you know Yeah, if suddenly the, you're playing Georgia, you'd If you, you had really... promotion and relegation, you'd have had Wales go down once, Scotland go down. France. Scotland go down twice. Uh, France. Yeah. That's ten years, that's within the last decade. And I'm pretty sure that if you look at um, what used to be called the Heineken Cup, so the European, I can't, whatever it's called these days, the yeah. European Challenge Cup, whatever. I suspect that French clubs have won that more than any other mm. country that competes. So yeah, Scotland would have gone down twice. France, sorry, three times Scotland would have been relegated. And yet here we are yeah. now, and they are arguably pretty resurgent and very watchable. And so I don't know. I just, I just think it would be good for the game. And it to, does help to, those nations to, to, massively, uh, right? To open up the shop in yeah. the same way that I think it would be good for Pacific Island teams to get more of a look in. I, I think I saw recently the next Lions um, tour is going to go to, or is going to play an Islanders mm. team. That'd be good. On, on their way to Australia, I think they're at next, aren't they? It is. I plan so, on going. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's my headline thought. 
as yeah. more of an existential, not what is the point of Italy, but actually could it's could European rugby broaden its horizons and promote itself a little bit more broadly? Yeah, I think there um, is, with other, it goes back to almost it. like in the Premier League when this European Super League got mentioned and everyone's massive go against it was there's no promotion relegation, it's an invite only, close club, bridge, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you could argue Six Nations, not quite the same, but I do agree that would it make it more interesting if there was a relegation? I mean, I'm not saying teams would play harder or anything like that, but it would put more on like, like, we'll, like this this year, we're coming into the last game and, you know, have Italy beaten Scotland. Wales are in real danger of coming bottom of the table. And would that make the Wales-France game that much spicier because it could come down to points difference or whatever that might be? It, it just means that if there is that threat of relegation, there's there's probably no such thing as a dead ringer game. So it shouldn't really be an international rugby anyway. Mm. But it's definitely something that would... And yeah, having a different, having George Rin would be brilliant, I think. But, but do you not think rugby as a sport needs it? So I think the dynamics behind that European Super League have been driven to a large extent by European clubs looking quite enviously at the Premier League and all the money and yeah. the competitiveness of the Premier well, yeah, League. We, everyone so knows that it, was, it was Real and Barca, right? They were massively behind it. Right. I think rugby needs to be a broader, yeah. Yeah. broader thing no, definitely. Than, than football does right now. Or certainly English football, and I, you know, rug, rugby is arguably in quite a lot of trouble. You know, you've got the the, the head injury, concussion side of things. Mm. I think fewer and fewer kids are playing rugby. A lot of parents. Yeah, are, amateur rugby is taking absolute battering. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of my contemporaries who, you know, quite a few of them play pretty decent rugby. No interest in their kids playing rugby. Yeah, is that from a danger perspective yeah. or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the headlines speak for themselves yeah. and you've got all these guys you know who won world cups of england saying right. yeah um so I, I don't think rugby as a sport becomes weaker if you you make the competition bigger no, got and it. and you freshen it up because where's the incentive for italy what, mm. and you know if the other five nations were, were piling money into italy and trying to get the italian game stronger then like fine, More of an but that's not happening either. No. So that 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 was the only thought I had. Is no, that, it's, it's is interesting. That more needs to be done to make Italy more competitive. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also keep the other five nations honest because you know I think a strong Georgia, you know Germany's another team that nearly qualified for the World Cup. I think. Yeah. Spain have been in the in the. I know Spain. Yeah, I know Spain were. So there is. There. There's quite, yeah. quite a healthy. Ultimately, it's good. I think for teams in the sport to have more competition. So, so what would you say do something similar in the southern hemisphere for the what was it now the champ the rugby championship rugby championship yeah they brought Argentina obviously yeah who have, who have been brilliant generally competitive. beat New Zealand for the first yeah. time in New Zealand I mean I mean the dynamics of southern hemisphere rugby are, are also quite interesting aren't they because you think of all those Islanders mm. just get hoovered who, up by the All Blacks well and and Australia as yeah. well now a lot of those Samoan Tongan Fijian guys who've ended up playing for the for the All Blacks and for the Wallabies were born in New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. But you just, for the good of the game, I think 
you know, how many times have New Zealand played in Samoa? Well, they, they did play relatively recently, but sort of think that, you know, the, these, the, the, these superpowers of rugby should be encouraging and yeah. investing in and supporting the game in because that's what i mean like if you if you had been this, really you know good feeders yeah. and servants for their for their game if you had this promotion relegation imagine <laughs> if ireland won the world cup this year and then the next six nations Ireland, italy went down georgia came up and you had ireland playing in georgia six months well right. four months after they've won the world cup it'd be yeah. massive well I- I- exactly and you know, I think a lot of Georgian players play in France. Yep. Um, so they're playing proper rugby. And they're all killed Yashvili. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think, so rugby is the fourth sport in Ireland. And it's probably the fourth sport here in, in England and second sport in Scotland, perhaps. I don't know what's fourth here. I, I'd say so third. Well, right, third. But football, cricket, yeah. But r- rugby is fundamentally a minority sport. Yeah. In in this country, it's where is it in Australia? It's not fourth or mm, fifth, right? New, New, so New, New Zealand, New Zealand, and Wales, and South Africa are probably the only, and even South Africa, I'm not sure. Debatable, because actually, yeah. football cricket is probably more popular soccer, yeah. amongst the non-white population of South Africa. So, so r- rugby is generally a a minority sport played in former British colonies and and yet you've got these countries like Georgia and Romania and Spain and what have you. Rugby needs yeah. to expand, I think. And and yet here we are, Italy, bottom again. You know, they played some nice stuff and it was spirited and what have you. But and to be fair, a better points difference than the Welsh for the looks of things. It is now eight on the bounce they've come bottom, which is a bit silly. And you can't see it changing now that well Wales have had their one year stinker, you feel. Scotland are now very good. Yeah. Is you it feel, is the Welsh stinker this year worse than the stinker last year, finishing fifth? I yeah, think, it was a, I think this year's worse. Yeah, but that counts as one stinker because they finished twice fifth fifth twice. That's still that's one fifth place stinker. <laughs> it's one two year fifth place stinker. This year is way worse. We conceded nineteen tries versus eight last year. I mean, I mean the fact that's that, shocking. But, 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 have you seen Wales, Wales the last proper, five years? Have you seen Wales the last five years? years? Yeah, boom or bust. So since 2016, second, fifth, second, slam, fifth, slam. slam. Oh, no, not slam. No, fifth. Uh, sorry, fifth. well, championship. Fifth win, fifth, fifth. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I, this, this is my exact, my, one of my sort of, yeah, takings from this earlier on. I tried to, yeah, sort of see how many times they finished third or fourth, and it turns out a third N- of the never? time. Never? A third of the time. <laughs> So it works out almost perfectly, but it's all from a while back, not particularly recently. Yeah, Wales very much boom or bust. Yeah. I mean, the primary sport, I think, is wearing a cagoule, but rugby's a close second. True. Anyway. So I've said my piece about Italy yeah. and, the, and the relevance of, on a more global perspective. Could be a soapbox back in the cupboard? Or? Yeah. yeah. Cool. A stat leading to a thoroughly existential question. These questions have to be asked, Cyrus. Like, like Matt Latins, he's only asking questions. Jeez, you and your bloody self. And I can't not, wait for And not listening to the answer given by scientists to get relegated. You shut your whole mouth. You're going down, mate. Well, I mean, look, when it comes to when it comes to questions, the good the good news is I've only 
I only created more of them basically. So having had a look at this, my kind of my big takeaway was that there were 13 Grand Slams from 24 competitions. So this is devoted six nations since six nations since, since, since 2000. 13 Grand Slams. Yeah. So, so as, a, as a very quick recap for those yeah. that don't know rugby, probably should have done this at the beginning. Started as the home nations, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. In 1910, France joined for it to be the Five Nations. And then in 2000, Italy joined for it to be the Six Nations. And a Grand Slam is where someone wins the tournament by winning... Every game. Every game. You win so every game. Five out of five wins. Uh, so 54% of Six Nation competitions have ended with a Grand Slam. And that fundamentally, first of all, that seems quite a lot. It seems quite a lot to me. Well, what was the um, frequency of Grand Slams when it was the Five Nations, because I seem to recall they were quite rare. And even even the great Welsh teams, the 70s, I think maybe oh, only see, one two. You think it's low, that 54%. I would argue I'd have guessed higher than 54%. Because to win a five-match tournament, you almost certainly need to win at least four. You have to win four games, right? Yeah. I think, it's, I think there is some weird mathematical way you can do it with three, but... Yeah, but Phil, it's, it's a sport where you've got... You've got to You've win got six weeks, almost. You get one rest weekend. Was it two? But either way, these guys are battering each other in, no, the, no, in the middle of a of, of a but domestic season. If you think that the team that wins has to win four, and a grand slam is five, I'd have thought roughly fifty yeah, percent mean, is I, the minimum, right? I, I, it, well, it's but true. That but wasn't the case when it was five nations. Yeah. Now, admittedly, that was mostly amateur. Um, and a lot of it, you didn't have that four-year World Cup cycle because, yeah. you know, this this will be interesting about Ireland this year. Have they peaked too early? That, I suspect, I've not looked, I suspect there are quite a few instances where teams have won Grand Slams between World Cups. Which is going by the World Cup 2019. Because so, the point being that you've got teams in transition, yeah. building up, you know, big... You know, clear out the players, what have you. 2019 was a Welsh slam and they lost in the semi-final by three points to the eventual winners. And then got, so, and then got hammered by them in the fourth place playoff. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Um, 2015, not a slam. 2011, not a slam. But essentially... It, it, seven, not a slam. 2003 was the last time a slam was won and then the World Cup was won by England. So it's always the question is what you know is rugby a very efficient sport? Obviously, you know with football you get a lot of these sort of um, you get a lot of upsets because it's a it's a low scoring game, a goal that can you know something can happen either way. Rugby, do you know how many games of this year's Six Nations? How many of the sixteen games were run by won by the higher ranked team out of sixteen? Uh, as per the yeah, IRB world, world rankings, yeah. No, for my world rankings, which has Wales on top. All of them, all of them. So Wales, sorry, Ireland, sorry, Italy lost all theirs. Ireland yeah. won all theirs. So. I'm going to say all but one, Scotland beating England is the only one that wasn't. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems pretty... That's the only one I can think of. Good, well, you both get a point then. <laughs> you've you've felt it through and, and Charlie's just gone, yeah, fine. Yeah, 15 out of 16 games were run by the higher ranked team, the exception being Scotland, England. Um, I think Scott, I think England were higher at the time. They might not be now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, 
but it just it just seems fundamentally a little odd like that in, in, a, in right? a tournament for in a tournament progress that over you know someone should win each of five games in a row when at any point you can put even if realistically team, yeah. one or two of those are you know from teams who will be on a weaker end of the cycle um actually on a quick look so on interesting those... you say that though but yeah um i guess not not quite the same but this is the first six nations where a team has entered as world number one and won it Oh, that's interesting. I guess more of that is that very rarely is a team from Six Nations world number one because it's just New Zealand or South Africa. Yeah. But it's the first time that a team from Six Nations has been world ranked number one and won the championship. So, to your point a moment ago, Phil, there were 97 Five Nations tournaments. And... Uh, oh, hang on. No, no, no. It can't be. Well, this There's is only ninety years. Basically, yeah. they were they were they don't seem to be much further apart. So from nineteen eighty to ninety eight, there were one, two, three, four, five, six. There were ten Grand Slams, but there were six in the last ten years, from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety nine. Scotland, yeah. England, 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 France, France. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's interesting observation. And then in, in actually in six of those thirteen years. It was a grand. Someone won the Grand Slam, and there was a team who won four games. So yeah. There, so there was inevitably a Grand Slam decider game at some point. Uh, France, England, two thousand two. That almost always happens, right? Yeah, I suppose whenever. Well, yeah. It well, it happened just under half, just over half the time. Thirteen yeah. Grand Slams since two thousand and seven. Seven where a team was on four. So there were twenty nine in the previous ninety years. It's not a lot. So, yeah, all right. There weren't 90 uh, tournaments. You, you obviously strip out. I don't think they played them during the war, for example. Does the increase so, in professionalism lead to like a higher peak for specific teams? Wasn't it? Yeah, a weirdly high number of like shared victories as well. That might skew that. I remember reading that they're like outright wins versus shared wins. Of the championship? Yeah. Yeah, but a Grand Slam is still a Grand Slam. Yeah, true. Anyway. So the great team of the, the great Welsh team of the 70s won three. Gareth. Jones to Jones. <laughs> uh, I'm named after JPR Williams, John Good. Peter Reese Williams, famous fullback, who is, uh, became a family doctor in Bridgend, in my family. Incorrect. He was a surgeon. That's the one. Um, Surgeon's a doctor. It's, no, they, to, they're called Mr, hockey, not doctor. Went surgeons. to hockey with his daughter. Yeah. Well, fun fact, yeah. Uh, older brother Gareth, named after Gareth Edwards. My dad wanted to call him Gareth Edwards Barry John Cadman, but then realised that actually, amazing. bit of a bit of a mouthful. Amazing. Bit of a mouthful. That is a bit much. Yeah. Never but... trust a man with six first names. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew, Phil, Ips. <laughs> so having having grown up watching rugby league in the pre Super League era, when Sean Edwards and Andy Farrell were playing for Wigan in rugby league, obviously. Yeah. As an England fan, it's pretty tough watching Wales, now France, and obviously Ireland with Farrell, with these rugby league, English rugby league legends who had phenomenal, in the case of Edwards, phenomenal yeah. coaching careers over a long period of time. Farrell, you know, a bit younger, not been at it for as long, but you've got these fantastic coaches and the RFU just repeated like Sean Edwards should have been 
England head coach. Yeah, a decade ago. It seems like a relatively, yeah, swift way to do pretty well is throw a lot of money at a coach who's who's got a twenty year track record. I think he's been in the frame, and I don't know. but this you know, this is a story as as long as I can remember going back to well famously 95 before the world cup in 1995 england had just won a grand slam and will carling then captain um famously described the rfu as being run by 57 old farts got sacked <laughs> as england captain reinstated as england captain <laughs> as a player revolt mm. but it's true and the rfu presided over yeah apologies small technical hitches reese's laptop shut the bed not my fault and we're talking about yeah coaching and rugby unions and how they failed there oh yeah is wales have got four of the top 12 defensive performances and they've won the grand slam in three of those years defense wins championships defense wins championships uh scotland i've got a little fact page scotland's in terms of points scored quite a recent emergence their sixth highest their six highest scoring seasons are all from 2016 onwards 16, 17, 18, 19, 21, 23. They have stopped being rubbish recently. It, well, any particular reason? I wonder why Scotland have stopped being bad at rugby. Because they're just South Africa now. That's it. To be fair, if I was Scotland, I was like, Scotland, bad at rugby. South Africa, good at rugby. <laughs> <laughs> it's genius. But also, the political backdrop in South Africa means that a lot of very good South African players can't can't get a game for South Africa because of the um, the imperative to select non-white players, which has been going on for... They still have the minimum criteria in every sport, I th- right? I think so. Um, and there was another factor as well. Was it the... Um... Oh, yeah, beautiful yeah. weather in Scotland. That well, <laughs> obviously, you know, South African players can earn a lot more money, relatively speaking, outside of South Africa. Yeah. And I think, like the Welsh, they've got a rule around if you don't play in South Africa, you can't play for the Springboks unless you've got a million caps or you're Faf de Plessis or whatever. Yeah. So, but um, I think Gregor Townsend deserves some credit. Not, mm-hmm. you know, at least when he does pick Finn Russell. Which has not, hasn't always so been the case. Um, Stuart Hogg's pretty, pretty special. Well, player. that group is going to be phenomenal. So, at the World Cup in France in September, October, one of the groups has so traditionally, so a group's got five teams in it. A group is traditionally two very good teams and three very beatable teams. There is one group with Ireland, South Africa, and Scotland. Yeah, and that could be. If Scotland turn up, that could be a phenomenal... They, they absolutely can beat Ireland. They absolutely can beat South Africa. So that group could be phenomenally yeah. close. And we, what's the order that they're playing in? So what you're saying is that after Charlie's picked Ireland to win the World Cup. I didn't say that. Oh, you, told you France. I said France. France. Yeah. France is my pick for it as well. I mean, what, after winning the Grand Slam, Ireland's going out in the group stage. It could happen. I can't see Ireland beating South Africa just because so, South Africa know how to win bloody rugby games. Yeah, okay. So you've got Ireland, Romania... And South Africa plays Scotland before. So South Africa, Ireland. 
is Scotland Lions a big one. one so I think South Africa are going to win every game. So may well do. Hold on. I mean, that's... It's like you're hearing the room with us, listener, as you hear. Yeah. Some, I mean, that, the that old is, 10.58 alarm going that's, up. That's a proper group of death. Yeah. Uh, well, especially... They've got, they got Tonga in that group as well. So, so someone is, is someone is going to get some injuries yeah. against Tonga. Um, that, I mean, that... I mean, it's, wait, I think it was the 91 World Cup when Western Samoa played Just Wales. And England the entire team. <laughs> Wales ran out of replacements. Yeah, well, you know, it was... It was cold they, and wet. Uh, yeah, I mean, and they were just monsters. Yeah. Any uh, closing Six Nations remarks? So two, three little quick ones for you. So Ireland, as you pointed out earlier on, Phil, because it's six tries in 2023, four in 2022. So they've got the two of the top three defensive lows. I was going to say, do you want to guess what the third one is? But how how was I categorizing categorizing defensive points allowed? Surely, probably. Let's have a little butchers. No, isn't it? It's actually it's. I think it must have been tries tries scored. All right. Well, I'm going Wales, Wales, and Wales. Under Sean Edwards. No, it was Scotland in 2020. Only conce- only allowed five tries. Scotland, yeah, Wales only allowed three. Wales 2019 allowed seven. 2022 only allowed eight. So Wales this year. Well, your stats don't go back to far enough then, because in 2012 Wales only allowed. Oh, there's points and tries is different. Okay, maybe. Um, so this year, that fun fact, uh, defense wins championships. But this year was the seventh fewest tries conceded in a Six Nations tournament, and Wales only won one game. That's the thing, you know, which has been boring. Uh, Italy, their last win was last year, but before that. They, their second last win was in 2015. They are a bit rubbish. Um, and a fun France fact, first 12 years, they averaged 3.67 wins a tournament. The last 12 years, 2.75. Again, boom or bust. Oh, cracker. Well, they, like, they had a really crappy four or five years, didn't they? Well, they were just rubbish. Yeah. And now they seem to have fixed everything. Yeah. Like Michelac, how's he doing? The, the French always used to be not always, but they were they they went through a period of being rubbish in Six Nations, and, and then, then phenomenal at the World Cup. Yeah, out of nowhere, make the final. Like yeah. 2011 under Livermore. I mean, I mean, they weren't even any good at the World Cup. They still got to the final and probably should have won. won yeah. yeah, they sh- they were the better team in the final. Yeah, mind you, New Zealand were on their sort of eighth full eighth outside half by that point. Yeah. Oh, uh, was that the one? Was that the Nick Ev- Nick Evans? It was Nick Evans? He yeah. Was, I mean, they sort of, he was fishing somewhere, like Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he come play the World Cup final, sure. Why not? Get a medal. Yeah. Nick, if you were, yeah, if we if were to put you in the middle of a rugby team, how long could you last without <laughs> yeah. um, without being taken off? Yeah. I reckon I'm making 20 minutes at, at the second row. That's my answer. So you'd be snaps in half in the 20, first row. No, because again, I'd be in their body with their muscle density, just with my abilities. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking with mine cycling assertion i think i could get away with it for a while i'm sticking on certain stages i'm sticking winger max 10 minutes not marathon running nope <laughs> how long how long do you reckon you could keep up with a, a I, I know running? how long oh, i'd be i'd be a, i'd be at a full sprint yeah. for probably about two minutes i've worked out no i reckon i can about 600 meters i can keep up with my marathon pace 600 meters 
good engine, and then I'm, and then I'm done. <laughs> I mean, that is utterly ridiculous. I think it's about a minute 20 for a lap, 400 metres. There's less than that. It's somewhere between a minute and a minute 10, I think, that you have to go and do a lap of the track. Yeah. So I reckon I could do that for about 600 metres, and then I'm vomiting on the floor yeah. while he carries on for another 39.4 kilometres. Yeah. Yeah. Off you go, mate. Yeah. Oh, oh, other fun fact. Um, the lowest point differential for Six Nations winners. For Grand Slam teams, Wales forty nine in twenty nineteen. That is low. And Ireland forty eight. Win five matches. Yes, yeah, and Ireland forty eight in two thousand nine. So a real defensive sort of slog for Wales. I mean that team was. Yeah, just winning every game by. Not like the good old days of of Gavin Henson. Basically, it's, it's, if I just direct this chat back to two thousand eight nine, that would be ideal for me actually. You, you know, Stephen. What is your obsession with two thousand eight? Just that's the only that's the only rugby teams that I know. Well, I think I think I'll, I'll Stephen Jones. Okay. You, you were twenty six. So apart from shut your mouth. just from an English point of view, I'm just quite glad it's all over because it was pretty <laughs> pretty face. rough championship again. But um, my fun fact is that England's defeat against France was their worst ever at Twickenham. Yeah, worst ever home. Their, their fourth worst of all time. But if I thought it was third. What was the result? No, the fourth worst of all time, I think. And if you strip out the Tour of Hell in 98, I want to say, um, was that it's their worst ever. And New Zealand, yeah. And Touring Hell was a bit um, of a place to go, to be fair. I think their fifth worst, or, or, or if not their fifth worst ever, certainly their, their previous worst defeat at Twickenham was in 2008. And in an interesting quirk of historical symmetry, the captain that day, when England lost, I think, 40-something, six, to South Africa, yeah. was none other than Steve Borthwick. Oh, no way. Now, that's, well, that's an interesting pub quiz question. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that old Steve-O won't look back on either, fondly. particularly fondly. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, yeah, so couldn't make it up. What are the chances on the wrong that, end of both drawings? That reminds me of my, my favourite. It's like Vic's comment, which is something like uh, about the you couldn't write it. Something if if humans can write a can write a narrative about how we're all you know living batteries being used without our knowledge by a robot. Robots has farm cells to power their you know. It just trips off the tongue. This quote. Doesn't yeah, it, it does. Uh, we we can, you can write one in which Gary Taylor Fletcher scores an equaliser in the uh, in extra time <laughs> away at Stoke. Probably I've got, just, I've, I've got just one read that, it instead already off the internet. I've got a Stella might cheer you up, Parnell. Uh, Is this one that proves that it cannot get any worse for English rugby? Yeah. Uh, so which team and with what percentage had the highest scrum win percentage this year at the Six Nations? I mean, I assume it's England. Correct. With 96%, Ireland was second with 91%. So yeah. a huge difference. So best scrum. Who had the highest line-out win percentage? I mean, it should be Ireland, but it won't be. Correct. Um, it was England again with 92 Brilliant. So, so what? Steve, so, what I'm hearing here is Steve Borthwick has, has taken England back to good old fashioned English virtues yeah. of being really good in the set piece, making half breaks, Crap getting isolated in there. Yeah. The thing I found most interesting: Ireland had the fourth most successful lineout despite winning the championship. Yeah. 
which is surprising. And unsurprisingly, Wales had the least successful scrum and least successful line-out, which I could have told you for free because we were pony above. Tend to be good at things to win rugby games. Yeah, which is news to me. Yeah, you know, any closing comments, Charlie? You want to round off with? Well, I mean, other than to say thank you very much for having me, it's been an absolute thank you for absolute treat. Um, I think on the back of our sort of rattle through the Six Nations, there, I'm going to make some World Cup predictions very quickly. Yeah. So I think I think France will win it. I. I'm going to stick my neck out, so I think England actually will go further in the tournament than Ireland. Ooh, I will take the other side of that. You heard the scrum and the line-out facts, facts and it's instantly yeah. gone to your head. No, I just think that England... I understand Ireland. From a, from a, well, I, I just How think... How many caps have we got? But England, I think, had a real fitness issue, and I think that England's ability... England have more upside. And... Ireland are a brilliant team, but they've got a tough old group. Mm, very true. They don't have a great track record in the World Cups, even when they've had strong teams before. Um, I'm not sure what. I mean, I'd need to look at it a bit more closely. Well, but, I, but I can I can see them doing okay in the World Cup. Yeah, I can see them getting to the semis, just flukily. Um, I don't think they've got a chance of winning it, um, but I'm going to say France to win the World Cup. If, if England do get to the World Cup final, yeah. the question is, are you going to be there? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> if I can find a way to travel to Paris, whereby it takes me more time to travel to Paris than, than the time I spend in Paris, then absolutely true to form, why not? Because <laughs> that, that is that's that, that is my less Tokyo. fun fact about the 2019 World Cup final, is I spent more time travelling than actually in, the country. in Japan. Yeah. I've yeah. heard it's a really boring, uninteresting, uncultured country anyway, so why would you want to be there for a long time? Right. Exactly. <laughs> what they have, what they ever done for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but apart from that, what have they done for us? Well, you know, so Irish racehorses have obviously adapted, sorry, French horses have obviously adapted very well in, in Ireland, but mm. the, the feeling is that Irish men cannot do the same in France, yeah. is what you're saying. So it's a fairly <laughs> it's a fairly painfully drawn comparison i'm gonna i'm gonna finish with one of my my favorite story from this year's six nations and i'm gonna give a floor to Parnell to finish with his favorite i'm getting to what i'm speaking to think about his favorite rugby anecdote over Is it six nations or just anything yeah okay over a couple minutes that you can share but uh my favorite story from this year's six nations don't worry i'm done with contributing so yeah, yeah, you, you guys take over there was a uh, video that did the rounds on twitter of the Irish national team. I can't remember which pair it was in particular, but apparently they were on their fourth day on a bounce of just getting absolutely... Just players? Yeah, the players getting absolutely binned, celebrating the wins. It was after, yeah, after the tournament. Yeah. After the tournament. Not mid. Um, celebrating their Grand Slam, rightfully so. They're on their fourth day in a row of getting on the beers. And apparently one of the players was like, oh, not today, lads. I can't. We've had three good nights. Like I'm gonna sit this one out, <laughs> and the rest of the entire and he was staying with his parents at the time. The entire rest of the Irish squad and the videos on Twitter and it is real. The entire rest of the Irish squad got the team bus to this bloke's <laughs> parents' place, all on the beers, all the, all the way to South Africa. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> on the Bumpentain way. <laughs> 
But yeah, they turned up at this guy's. There's I a bus which, outside, eh? I can't remember which player it was, but they brought up at this guy's parents' house, all like already half cut. That's and we're like, can we come in, please? And obviously the parents are like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so all like 23 of the squad pile into this player's like parents' living room, like, see it coming out for beers, yeah? <laughs> is, uh, is David? Yeah. Can, uh, is, he, is he free tonight? <laughs> so he's uh, like, clearly he's just gone back to his parents' place on a four-day hangover, having won the Grand Slam, and then the entire team shows up to drag him out. That is, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find that as we go, but it's when you said this absolute. The video is great. They're all just Gary, who's Gary? Not Ring Rose. I don't know. It just says Gary. So there we are. Charlie, you've had, you've had a bit of time to think about this anecdote. Yeah. So, well, what are we going for? There's so many to choose from. They're, they're, if I really think about it, they probably are a reasonable number. But um, oh, what's Gary Ring Rose? Apologies. There you go. Do better, Gary. So, I've got a couple of stories that I think are vaguely suitable to share. (laughs) (laughs) Both pertain to the 2007 World Cup. So, the first story was um, me and some mates, some mates and I um, went to watch the quarter final in Marseille, which was England against Australia. Which England unexpectedly won, and spoilers, yeah, <laughs> and we end uh, having been humped by South Africa in the group stages, mm. um, we ended up on a on a boat in the marina in um, in Marseille <laughs> Harbour. <Good. laughs> so we we the watched, start to every good story. Well, we watched the France New Zealand game, which famously the French won coming back mm. and this was the one where the, the all blacks basically just refused to do a drop couple to win the game so oh no we don't do that sort of thing so we watched it in the marina on the big screens and end up on this boat which some mega england fan it was his like yacht or whatever and like most england rugby team were on this boat as well and we, we had a sort of a, a connection in and um we then left because we were staying in, in x so we had to to get back and walking off the boat on the gangplank mark regan then england hooker is yeah. the other way and uh, you know and i was you know i'd had a few beers but i was not in particularly obnoxious not not and not yet and <laughs> i didn't literally didn't say anything i was just trying to get off this boat and uh, and that resulted in basically threatening to throw me into the marina and i was like I don't like your face. <laughs> um, on the same gangplank, one of the guys I was with, one of my best mates from school, um, proceeded to tell Matthew Tate how he was the future of English rugby and how uh, it was all about him. Yeah. And I don't think Matthew Tate ever really sort of, I don't think his career ever really kicked on <laughs> from, from that moment. So that Mostly was the, that went moment. to his head. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other anecdote back in London, um, we watched the World Cup final, the one which Safka won the Queto foot in touch game. And um, long story short, we England lost the game, ended up drinking far too much. Sambucas were not bought by me, but you know, anyway. And um, Sheridan um, had 
ended up going back home early. Charlie's wife. Uh, yeah. And I thought we were not talking about. And I spouses. think my house keys were in my hockey bag, nice. which were back at the flat. <laughs> nice. And um, ended up, I got back into my flat, um, but only after, because um, Sharon wasn't answering her phone, she wasn't answering the doorbell, um, because she was asleep, not because there was a fit of peak. Yeah, and, um, and I was sort of outside my flat, loitering with intent, and the, the police turned up. Nice. And ended up ringing the doorbell of the neighbours upstairs, who'd only moved in about two weeks previously. Do you know this man? <laughs> right. And um, I only woke up the following morning, and the front door of our flat, which was on the first floor, was sort of hanging off his hinges. <laughs> And our neighbours had said, um, do you want us to come and sleep on our sofa? And like, I had no idea what happened at this point. And seemingly what happened, I got into the building and then just barreled through my <laughs> office hinges. Like we, and Sharon and I both wake up in the morning and the door was like, office hinges. Are like, <laughs> you both looked at each other and you and went, Sharon, and what did you do? Exactly know. right. Exactly <laughs> right. And not only that, she... She wasn't entirely sure that it wasn't her. <laughs> it was only when the neighbours then sort of came and knocked on the door a little bit later and said, is, is Charlie okay? <laughs> and she said, oh yeah, he's absolutely fine. He's a bit, he's a bit rough, but he's okay. It's like, oh right, because like, he thought he might have really injured he himself. He'll drive the door. He went through the door. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's my one of, uh, there is a rugby related, rugby or cup related anecdote, which so. That's it. Yeah, thanks, man. That was that was wonderful. Thanks for coming on. Not Much appreciated. Thanks for hosting. You have some editing to do. Yeah, we'll cut it down. Or unless the machine is auto edited. <laughs> auto <laughs> So we're just left with this. Got rid of it. Which case, like, you know, just put out the last fifteen minutes. You're not going to believe what the rest of it was like. <laughs> oh, God, honestly, yeah. Life's a, life's a journey, not a destination. It's life's a journey.